I'm Jimmy Reed with Reed Farm in Palestine, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We have got another week rolling, and we've got another episode rolling of Texas Ag Today for you. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the effort to increase packing capacity continues. The House Agriculture Committee passed a bill called the Butcher Block Act last week, And that's another effort to increase hook space here in the country. We'll take a closer look at that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Even in a drought, it's possible to get rain that isn't all that helpful. I'm James Hunt, and I'll explain that on Texas Ag Today. This week is National Agronomy Week, celebrating the connection between agronomists, farmers, and baseball. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The coastal bend cotton crop prospects continue to decline. This is Harvey Beering reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The House Agriculture Committee passed the Butcher Block Act last week in an effort to increase meat packing capacity here in the U.S. South Dakota Congressman Dusty Johnson co-authored the bill, saying U.S. meat production is out of equilibrium. We are about 6,000 head a day short of processing capacity in this country for us to reach that equilibrium. And I think a lot of us feel, frankly, that having as uh, 85% of the market in control of four large packers is also suboptimal. Johnson worked with Democrat Abigail Spanberger of Virginia on the Butcher Block Act to spur new plants outside the Big Four. It is a critical step towards increasing competition and helps provide upfront capital. I was pleased that USDA recognized the importance of setting up a program like this and chose to utilize funds from the American Rescue Plan to establish a similar program. The bill received support from both Democrats and Republicans on the committee. Advanta and Alta Seeds have made a major upgrade to their North American Processing and Distribution Center in the Texas Panhandle. Dean Loftus, North American Marketing Lead for Alta Seeds, says the company's recent launches of new sorghum technologies and the growing demand for sorghum justified the multi-million dollar expansion of their facility in Hereford. We've been working on it for months. It's up and running now, and we finally announced it, and it's going to enable us to not only produce more seed, but really control the quality of our products, because as these technologies are getting more advanced and getting better results, quality is the most important to us. Now we get to control that with all these different things we're doing, equipment upgrades, more seed lines, and and a lot of the the behind-the-scenes things to really make this a state-of-the-art modern 
uh, processing and distribution plant. Loftus says Hereford is a great location to produce and process sorghum seed. Well, the Texas Panhandle is where we're based. We also produce our seed in the markets where we sell it. And in the Texas Panhandle, is a great conditions for, in particular, grain and forward sorghum. And so we're where the products need to perform. And they'll perform, they perform elsewhere across the country as well, but they perform very well in our part of Texas in those kind of Western conditions. And that's just how we've been operating. We're a Texas-based company. We're proud of it. And now we've expanded and hiring more workers, creating more jobs in that area in Hereford, Texas. Advanta and Alta Seeds recently released their iGrowth herbicide-tolerant grain and forage sorghum and their Empire Premier Forages sorghum varieties. Recent rains on the Texas High Plains haven't put much of a dent in the ongoing drought. James Hunt tells us why recent storms may not have helped much. Drought maintains its grip on the Texas High Plains, and in fact, Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says for a lot of area farmers, recent rain events have been too extreme to provide much help. We've had pockets where we have received one to two inches of rain, but those events have come in a relatively short time period, resulting in runoff, very little infiltration, or they've come with a lot of hail and high winds, and so that can be problematic as well. Recently, some of the rainfall that has moved through has only resulted in a few tenths to maybe even a few hundredths for producers. And so when we look at the very hot, dry days that follow, we know that those fields are quickly drying out. And one very good gauge of the conditions is the pan evaporation, which is simply how much water evaporates from a standing body of water. And what we've seen in the last several weeks is that we are evaporating a half an inch to six tenths of an inch per day. And so that's really driving the crop water demand and these soils are drying out very quickly. And with all that drying out, our region is left with very little subsoil moisture. As we look at crop production in the Texas High Plains, producers depend on rainfall, irrigation, if they have irrigation, and stored soil water. That stored soil water is like our savings account. That can really help a producer get through a dry period. And so if we go into a season and maybe get just an inch or two to get that crop up, and then it turns off dry again, and there's not any stored soil water to carry that crop, we will see extreme crop stress stress, and possibly even crop loss. More from Dr. Jordan Bell tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This is National Agronomy Week, and our resident baseball fan, Tom Nicoletti, looks at the relationship between Agronomy Week and baseball. This week, May 23rd through the 27th, is Agronomy Week across the country, sponsored by DeKalb, Asgro, and Delta Pine Seed Brands. To talk more about the week, we go to Kevin Lavac. He is Delta Pine brand manager. And uh, Kevin, what can you tell us about Agronomy Week 2022? And what we do is recognize the key role the agronomists and other crop professionals play in helping farmers maximize uh, performance in their fields. You know, throughout the week, our uh, technical agronomists are sharing their insights and uh, recommendations to help promote farmer success. In addition to that, the farmers will have an opportunity to ask questions via social media to be answered via the agronomist. And you know, all farmers, regardless of the seed they plant, we encourage them and invite them to participate to show appreciation for their agronomic advisors. Kevin, tell us about the sweepstakes uh, that you have going on in connection with the week. 
Yeah, Tom, we're going to feature our sweepstakes enabling one winning farmer and up to three guests to receive a weekend getaway to the Field of Dreams movie site in Dyersville, Iowa. This was featured in the iconic uh, 1989 Field of Dreams baseball movie. And also, this was the uh, site of the first uh, Major League Baseball game played there in uh, 2021. And of course, the sweepstakes highlights uh, the connection between uh, professional baseball and farming uh, with strategic game plans, strong teamwork, and statistical analysis. So that's your tie between uh, farming and baseball. For additional information, farmers can go visit agronomyweek.com. That is Kevin Levac. He is Delta Pine brand manager in St. Louis. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Coastal Bend cotton crop prospects continue to decline. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Well, the major cash crop for the Coastal Bend has been the cotton crop for many, many years. And the good news is that cotton prices are at historic high levels, uh, particularly on the futures market. The bad news is that there's not enough moisture out there to establish the planted crops here in the Coastal Bend. And uh, upwards of 50% of our dry land acres has now been totaled out for not emerging in time. And those declines are taking a toll. Our jenners are concerned and the crop that remains in the field is in desperate need of some rainfall in the very near future. The western portion of the coastal bend took the hardest hit in lost acres. It's expected that 70 to 75 percent of the crop in Jim Wells County did not emerge and has been plowed out. Other areas hard hit include San Patricio and Refugio County with 50 to 55 percent of their crop being plowed out at this time. The Nueces County crop, only 30 to 35 percent of that crop is estimated to have been lost, but it is in desperate need of rain. Clayburg County in a similar situation, got a, about 70% of the crop emerged, but in need of rain, a little more irrigation up into the B County area. Much of that is continuing to hold on with irrigation, but all in all, the prospects for a good cotton crop in the coastal bend continue to dwindle. Here also in the coastal bend, corn is tasseling and in desperate need of some moisture, along with grain sorghum, starting to show some flag leaf stage growth in, in the earlier planted sorghum, all needing a rain last week. Hopefully, the prospects for rain in the future will come true and give the crop a chance to develop and hopefully improve pasture conditions as well, as livestock producers are getting in more dire straits as each passing week goes along without any rain. Here in the coastal bend, many locations have not received any significant rain since early March when some of the eastern portions of the counties did receive a half inch to three quarter inch at that particular time. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the coastal bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. Highly pathogenic bird flu is now being reported in a human. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place 
$200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions, and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Highly pathogenic bird flu is now being reported in a human. Dr. Bob Judd says this is rare, but it can occur. And the Centers for Disease Control, or the CDC, indicated recently that the H5N1 virus was found in a Colorado man. This highly pathogenic strain of avian influenza has been found in Texas and now 29 other states and is rapidly killing commercial and backyard poultry. It is the worst outbreak in the last seven years, and the virus then killed 50 million chickens and turkeys. So far, the Department of Agriculture indicates 35 million birds have died. The first case in Texas was reported April the 3rd of this year when the virus was found in pheasants in Erath County. The area was quarantined and the quarantine has been lifted and fortunately there is not a lot of poultry in Erath County. Recently there has been a horned owl in Wichita County and a bald eagle in Bosque County that have tested positive. Infection in humans is considered to be rare but can occur when the virus gets into the person's mouth, nose, or eyes. It is believed the current flu vaccine may prevent the disease from occurring in people. The Colorado man has recovered and had only symptoms of fatigue. Symptoms of the H5N1 flu in humans are similar to other strains of flu, including fatigue, loss of appetite, and coughing. The CDC considers the risk of humans developing bird flu to be low. It is still safe to eat poultry and eggs as long as it is cooked to 165 degrees. It's a good idea to wash your hands for 20 seconds after handling raw poultry or eggs. If you have birds at home, keep them away from all wild birds that could carry this disease. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A rare sea turtle nest has been found on the Texas coast. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. We have some wonderful news from the Texas coast. For the first time in a decade, a Kemp's Ridley sea turtle nest has been found in Galveston Island State Park. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, the nest was found during a routine survey by the Sea Aggie Sea Turtle Patrol in the dunes on the beach side of the park. The nest found on Friday morning is one of only three nests that have been found at the state park since the Turtle Patrol began keeping records. Kemp's Ridley sea turtles are one of the most endangered sea turtle species in the world. Their eggs, if left on the beach, have a 45% chance of survival. That's why when the nest was found, it and the 107 eggs in it were moved by the Sea Turtle Patrol and the Gulf Center for Sea Turtle Research to a nest incubation facility at Padre Island 
Island National Seashore. At the incubation facility, the Kemp's Ridley eggs have a 95% chance of survival. Dr. Christopher Marshall, professor of marine biology at Texas A&M University Galveston and director for the Gulf Center for Sea Turtle Research, said every egg matters when it comes to Kemp's Ridley sea turtles. He said a lot of nesting habitat is lost to storms, high tide, and predation, so that's why it's important that they are transported to an environment where they have the best chance to survive. Marshall said the Kim's Ridley sea turtle was almost lost in the 1980s. Sea turtles typically nest between April 1st and July 15th. If you happen to find one, you should contact the Sea Turtle Hotline at 1-866-TURTLE-5. Stay at least 60 feet away from the turtle and the nest. Again, that is 1-866-TURTLE-5. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw an up and down trade in the cattle market to start the week on Monday, but we ended higher. We also ended higher in cotton and grains. We'll update all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, this is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, I've spent my entire life in agriculture, and I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather all increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline comes in. I want you to write this number down, 833-897-2474, 833-897-2474. Have you experienced problems like rising costs, market fluctuations, family conflicts, or extreme weather? Are you feeling stressed and defeated? It's okay to ask for help. I want you to call the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number again, 833-897-2474. That's 833-897-2474. 2474. Or if you can't write it down right now, just remember you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. The Texas Agri Stress Helpline. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Do me a favor, don't wait. Call today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We started the week with a very positive trade in cattle, cotton, corn, and wheat on Monday. The cattle market actually started out a bit lower in reaction to a somewhat negative cattle on feed report released on Friday. It showed record numbers of cattle in feedlots for the month of May. However, that didn't last very long. The market turned around, moved into positive territory right after the open, and we stayed there for most of the trading session. We closed higher across the board in both live and feeder cattle. June live cattle up a dollar twenty, one thirty-two seventy-seven. The August up a dollar forty-two at one thirty-two ninety-seven, while October live cattle were up ninety-five cents, one thirty-eight thirty-seven. May feeder cattle were up a nickel, 153.45. The August up a dollar 70, 165.62. While September feeders were up a dollar 30, closing at 168.30. Cash fed cattle market getting an early start this week. We had some Monday sales reported out of Kansas at 138. That's steady with last week's market. 
Boxed beef prices were higher on Monday. Choice up a dollar fifty-three at two sixty-three seventy. Select up two sixteen. 245.18. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Auctioneer Troy is going to sell this calf for us. While he does that, let's talk to that little country ball of fire, Maddie Bexley. Madison, how are you? Pretty good, Larry. How are you, sir? I'm very fine. Thanks for asking. How was the sale? We had a pretty good day. We ended up with 1522 with 374 cows and 26 bulls, 177 sellers and 87 buyers. Walk the pens for us. On the stalker cows, we got along real good on the very front end. Uh, the mediocre quality cows are getting a little harder to place. Uh, the good pairs brought from 12 to 1500. The mediocre and middle aged from 850 to 1100. The longhorn and the planer pairs from four to eight and a quarter. The good bred cows from nine to eleven and a quarter. The mediocre and middle-aged cows from five hundred to eight seventy-five. Backer cows and bulls mostly steady um, on the good big cows, but softer on the little light carcass cows. The good high yielding cows from seventy to eighty-four. The medium yielding from fifty-five to sixty-nine. Low yielding and lightweight cows from thirty to fifty-seven. Good high yielding packer bulls from a dollar to a dollar six. The medium yielding bulls from ninety to ninety-nine. Low yielding and lightweight bulls from seventy-five to eighty-nine. And the calves in New Orleans sold mostly steady to a little softer on some classes uh, on a good active market. And uh, all in all, it was a good day. Hoping hoping this weekend we get the rain uh, that we're supposed to. So Good. Well, uh, if anything comes up, tell us. In the meantime, if folks want to buy or sell through Lockhart, tell them how to get a hold of you. Yeah, Larry, you can always check us out on Facebook. Or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. That's Madison Bexley, Lockhart Livestock. Sells them every Thursday. I'm Larry Marble. I'm at Granny Marble's Kitchen Table every day, Monday through Friday with Walk in the Pins. Neighbor, good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs closed higher on Monday. June hogs up a dollar fifty, one ten thirty-seven. July hogs up a dollar eighty-five at one ten eighty-five. Class three milk was mixed. May milk down a penny, twenty-five oh eight a hundred. June milk unchanged at twenty-four forty-eight a hundred weight. The cotton market traded higher, getting support from the outside markets. A nice recovery in the Dow yesterday helped us out a bit. Traders also keeping an eye on the Texas weather forecast. Short-term forecast calling for rainfall this week. However, the 6- to 10-day forecast calling for below normal precipitation and above normal temperatures. We close with July cotton up 48 points, 142.75. October cotton up 83 132.61, while December cotton was up 80 points, 125.98. Higher close in the grain markets also. Corn and wheat both starting the week higher. July corn up seven and a half, 786 and a quarter. September corn up seven and three quarters, 754 and three quarters. The wheat market finishing higher, getting support from cold weather in the western U.S. plains, as well as above average temperatures in western Europe, and very little progress on the Russia-Ukraine war front. We close with July Kansas City wheat up 23 and three quarters, 1276 and a half. July Chicago wheat up 21 and a quarter at 11.90 a bushel. In the energy markets, June natural gas up 66 cents at 8.74. July crude oil up 14, 110.54 a barrel. The financial markets higher Monday afternoon. The Dow up 597 points, 31,859. 
The Nasdaq up 144 at 11,499. The S&P up 65 at 3,966. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.